Hi, it's Nurse Shayla. And Nurse Brittany. Welcome to Your Your Call Light is on. So for today's episode, we are discussing plan of cares. The power of the plan of care. We're talking about... We love to hate the plan of care. Right. Nursing care plans and basically how this transitions into our current work practice. For those of you all who aren't in the nursing profession, nursing player cans are the foundation of how we operate. It's how we care for our patient. Like I said, our game plan. Okay. A nursing plan of care is supposed to be an individualized plan providing direction to the type of care that a patient needs. A plan of care is patient-centered and based on a patient's needs. It includes information about the patient's diagnosis, the goals of treatment, nursing orders, and a plan for evaluation, and ultimately they result in quality patient care and just a better patient experience overall. So let's start by talking about our plan of cares in nursing school. (laughs) If any of you all went to nursing school, you know how painful that part of school was when we had to draft up plan of cares and review them and make sure that they met these expectations and requirements and this that and the other and I was actually trying to go through my files to see if I could see like my old nursing school plan of cares but I think I probably just deleted them all just to never see them again (laughs) but I feel like they kind of translate into current day our nursing practice but not as rigid and stiff as they were when we were learning about them in nursing school. It's not as painful. So doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to doesn't be painful. Have to be. It doesn't have to be painful. So when we're talking about plan of cares and who needs to be contributing to it or who needs to be in the know, um, there's a few people. The patient, obviously, needs to know about their plan of care, their course of action. The nurse, obviously, because you're the one making it. And other important people include like the nurse's aides because if we have a game plan or a plan that we want to implement for a patient, the nursing aides are very influential important. and important. They play a vital role in the, the plan of care for that patient because we work together, we collaborate and make sure that this patient meets their goals and is satisfied and that everybody's getting what they need out of the situation. So... I feel like, too, we could dedicate a whole episode about nurses' aides and just talking about that, but they need to be in the know. They need to know. And then also member, also family members need to be in the know in regards to the plan of care because, say, for instance, you've got a post-operative heart surgery patient who's on a particular diet. What's a typical diet for post-op? Heart surgery? Yeah. Should be a heart-healthy heart diet. Heart-healthy diet, carb control, yeah, low like sodium. Two, two gram of sodium. Two gram sodium, fluid restriction, 2,000 cc's or something yeah. a day. Mm-hmm. Something like that, you know. If that's the diet for that patient, and we want to make sure that that patient does not become even more fluid overloaded or that they're eating as healthy as they can, we don't want family members bringing in McDonald's. We don't want family members bringing in chocolates and sweets and things like that because... That's not a part of their plan of care. This is not how we're trying to care for the patient postoperatively in the best way. So family members need to be in the know as to what they can do to best support the patient to make sure that they are supportive but also encouraging and that they're abiding by the overall plan for that patient. Um, I 
couldn't think of anybody else who would really contribute to like the nursing plan of care. I mean, I know doctors kind of have maybe their own plan. When I have patients, I want I want to know everything that's going on mm-hmm. because I want to be able to catch when something is off. So it's important that the doctor, the the case management, the PT, the, the PT, OT. the OT. All of those consults that are that are on with that team, that we are all on the same page. Mm-hmm. So what I've gotten in the habit of when you everybody should be doing bedside report now. Oh now, yeah. now I know you like that. I love that. <laughs> A little bit of my background is is travel nursing, so I've I've got to see at different facilities how how they implement their plans of care or don't and. It's really uh, left an impression on me on how I want my my uh, patients to 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 know. It, what it all boils down to, plan of care is education. Yeah, you know, it, it it's is. education, and a lot of times as nurses, we don't have that time. We don't. You know, we we don't, we don't want to. We're doing a lot of task things. Mm-hmm. We might have a, a patient who's requiring more work, so we don't always have that. But in order to help our patient, we really need to be educating. $0.30 for every dollar spent on medical care in the United States is wasted when you don't have a plan of care um, (laughs) that is effective. Okay. That is about $750 billion a year. Wow. That is unbelievable to me. You know? That's unbelievable to me. So when I'm at the bedside and I am doing bedside report with another nurse and my patient is there, mm-hmm. even if they're sleeping, I wake them up. Unless they're mean and they don't want to be woken up. But I'll still do it in the room. Yeah. But I every hospital I've been to, they've all had whiteboards. Yeah. I use that whiteboard. I yes. put my name up there, the yes. doctor's name up there, and our plan, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's walking, it's advancing our diet, mm-hmm. whether it is discharge or things we need before discharge. Classes. Test procedures, classes. If, it's, if a patient can see what they need to do. Yeah. If you're somebody who is just sitting in a room and you see all this to-do list <laughs> On the board, mm-hmm. it's going to drive you crazy not having it done. And I, I've had such a good response with my my patients with letting them know what's going on. It also reduces some of that anxiety that they may have for not knowing what's going on when the family members are coming in. I was going to say. You don't have to get a call saying, well, what's going what's on going today? On? What are they you doing know, you don't today? Because yeah. really, we want to be more time We want to be more effective with our time and more intentional. Mm-hmm. So if they walk in and it's there. You don't have to spend that time coming down and then explaining everything. Exactly. The doctors can also see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to call you or put in an order to say we need oxygen because yeah. they see that you've already That's started the goal to for the day. the oxygen. Yeah. You, so I think we, we just need to be more intentional about making sure that our patients are being educated not only while they're in inpatient, yeah. but when they go home, when they are following up at outpatient appointments, they know that that heart healthy diet is forever. You should you should really be watching your diet mindful. forever. Being mindful of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That whiteboard is instrumental. And a lot of times I was reading this study that was done at Stanford University Medical Center. It says that the use of whiteboards significantly increased the proportion of patients who knew their physician their goals for admission, their estimated discharge date, because everybody wants to know 
When mm-hmm. am I getting out of here? And then mm-hmm. patients like to come up with an imaginary discharge date. Like, oh, my doctor told me I could leave tomorrow. <laughs> no, you still have a chest tube in. You can't leave. Like, no. But mm-hmm. this study said that it resulted in improved satisfaction with the hospital stay overall. And physicians and ancillary staff and the patient families all found the whiteboards to be helpful. And residents were more likely to integrate whiteboard use into their daily workflow as well. So it just really improves patients' awareness of their care team because people don't, patients don't even know sometimes their doctors' names. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point to where a lot of times you'll have so many doctors entering a patient's room, patients are like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that was. And their family members will want to know, has that doctor come in today? Did they say anything? Did they leave their name or their card or information or anything like that? So a lot of times if we have that information on that whiteboard of all the members of the people taking care of them, their care team. That's informative and also beneficial to their overall care. Right. And I want to go back to that bedside report. Yes. Tell me why you right. like that so much. I want to be in that room when my physicians are around, around, yeah. Because how many times do you get a doctor that tells a patient something, but it's not in that note? Mm-hmm. And then you look like you, you don't know what's going on. So I touch bases with all of my care team to make sure we're all on the same page and there's somebody I haven't. I get into the habit of calling or texting them and saying, hey, I just want to discuss the plan of care. Even if it's just two words. That way you, you are able to make sure everybody's on the same page and you can move forward and you're setting your patient up for success. But we should push rounding with the physicians. I know in the ICUs, they still do that. Mm-hmm. They still will round with the entire team. And I, I know on the floors, it's not practical. It's mm-hmm. not just with timing. And, and how many patients we have. And how many patients yeah. we have. However, we should still, you know who you like to work with, the doctors or the NPs or the PAs. They'll call you and give you an update. Mm-hmm. So that is a good practice to have oh, as yeah. well. To um, that communication, that relationship with someone. Even yeah. PTs yeah. and case managers, wonderful case managers mm-hmm. will do that. And it's really nice when you have that because even though a lot of nurses don't want to take that responsibility, the nurse is the glue that keeps That's every, your job. everything together. That's your job. Right, you facilitate that. You but get you, that going. Yes, you are the glue that keeps everybody together and, mm-hmm. and on the same page. Mm-hmm. Because when the doctor comes in, he's going to ask you what case management said. So it's really nice to just be kind, be kind, and get on everybody's good side mm-hmm. so that you are able to effectively care for your patient, set them up for success, and educate them. Yeah. And I would even go so far as to say... And I might be being a little bit outrageous here, but I would say that having a great plan of care could potentially reduce readmission. What do you think about that? I agree. Because if that patient's getting the care that they need, it's being followed through to completion, they're meeting goals, they're doing this, the plan of care is simply stated and it's being acted upon, everything's going the way that it should, the patient is taking ownership and authority of their health and wanting to make sure that that plan of care is executed, that might potentially reduce a readmission. But I wanted to go back to your bedside report because I know you are a stickler for that because I understand 
why you like it and why it's important. But <laughs> I would be that nursey because I used to work 3 to 11. I used to work an evening shift. Mm-hmm. And about 11.30 is handoff time. 11.30 rolls around. I don't want to go in a patient's room at 11.30 at night and wake them up when I just got them to sleep to give handoff report. But I see how it is important for that next person coming along. Mm-hmm. So you like the bedside report because regardless, I guess, if the patient's awake or not, it shows that you're taking the initiative to want to involve them in their care. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm getting? Well, yes, it does. But it also allows you to go ahead and lay eyes. I don't like not seeing my patient for mm-hmm. more than an hour. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen once I start my assessments and my med pass. Who knows what's going to happen between then and the next time I'll get to see them. It could be an hour and a half. It could be two hours yeah. at most. But I still like to know that I've been in that room because then what you hear is, I don't know, I haven't seen my, my nurse today. all day. Yeah. I, haven't seen haven't my, seen my, yeah. I haven't seen my nurse all day. Yeah. So I like to let them know, hey, I'm here. I have arrived. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also it's a time to catch anything that may have, you know, everything happens at shift change. Uh, How many times have you walked into a room at shift change and the patient's in AFib? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Or you want to check your lines. They're supposed to have normal saline running and yeah. you've got half normal saline running. Mm-hmm. Or, or the bag's empty. Or the bag And it's empty. beeping. Beep, beep, beeping. All yes. morning. And the so, patient can't sleep. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the Foley is, is full. Yeah. And for me, you know how some people will say, I don't know, this is a little off topic, but men will equate their engagement ring to a reflection of them. Really? You know, on So some men will say, the ring that I purchased for my fiancé is mm-hmm. a reflection of me. Yeah. Well, what people see when they walk into that room... Is a reflection of you as a nurse. ...of my patient. Yeah. You know, whether that Foley, cat, Foley is, is full, mm-hmm. the, the lines are dry and not dated. That not labeled, a, yeah. That is a reflection of me. Yeah. So I want to catch all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want my rooms messy. Mm-hmm. I want everything to be how it would, how I would want it to be if I were in there. Right. And I, I think if more people felt that way... Oh, yeah. ...then you would see more compliance with that bedside report. What do we think can aid in a successful care plan overall? Care plans are important, not just for the surgical patient or the person who's just coming in to having, having a, a one-time event. This is the first time they've ever been hospitalized. Mm-hmm. But they also are important for people living with chronic conditions, Especially if they have multiple chronic conditions. And we can see the, the rates of readmissions um, when care plans are not being effectively implemented. And not to say it's just nursing care plans, all care plans, plan in general. <clears throat> right. But there was even a difference in care plans among African Americans with chronic diseases versus um, Latinos with chronic diseases. And what the NIH showed was that among African Americans, the cost burden of three preventable diseases, high blood pressure, diabetes, and stroke, mm. was about $23.9 billion in 2009. 
and by 2050, this is expected to increase to about 50 billion a year, mm. just from lack of planning care. Yeah. And Latinos are receiving worse care than non-Latino whites regarding safe, efficient, timely, making sure it's patient-centered. And, and there is there's studies showing this. I think that also goes with the disparity that is within healthcare that we like to pretend doesn't exist, but it, it is there mm-hmm. and it is affecting us, whether we like to believe it or not. It's in our taxes, it's in our the cost of, of care, and it's only going to get worse if we don't take more initiative in making sure that we are following care plans. And if we don't have a care plan, we're making sure that they're created and we're not just having someone sit in the hospital for 10 days and never once telling them what their hydrolysine right. is for. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. or why it's important. Yeah. I have so many patients that come in on their diagnosed list mm-hmm. might be what, what COPD. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I was never told that I had that. But it's on the diagnosed mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Where does that disconnect come from? Yeah. I feel like um, with care plans, I thought about this the other night. Without having a care plan, it's very similar to just getting into a car and just driving. Because you have no destination. You have no direction. You have no mile markers to let you know of your progress. You're just driving. So care plans are kind of like that destination. That's where you want to be. That's what you're striving for. That's what you're trying to get to. And if you don't have any kind of care plan, you have no direction for how you provide your care for your patient or for your patient to know how they're getting better or how close they are to discharge. Mm-hmm. And for any patients that might be listening to our show or family members of patients, don't be afraid to ask about that plan of care. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to ask, what's our goal? What should we be doing? Right. And I don't know is never an acceptable answer unless Mm -hmm. it's followed with, let me go find out. Right. (laughs) And nurses, we should never be telling our patients, I don't know what what the plan is. Or I don't know anything. It should be, let me go find out. Yeah. Because I've heard that many, many times. Mm And that's not acceptable. Another thing with the plan of care, it's important to know your patient with plan of care. So know where they come from, what their education background is, and how they prefer to learn. Mm -hmm. I know some hospital systems will have you do a learning assessment on your patient. Yeah. But on a lot of the charting system, there's no way to actually see that like flag. Mm-hmm. So then you'll walk into a patient's room mm-hmm. with all this literature, and then they'll tell you, I can't read. What they you say, know? you should treat your patients as if they have like a, what, sixth grade? Is that the right. sixth grade? Right, sixth or eighth grade education, education. level, which is That's far- the average patient, I guess. Right, yeah. but we also push for like a lot of literature. I will print out the uh, medication. If there's a new medication or even a medication that they were on and they're not really mm-hmm. sure of why they were on, I'll print it out for them. Just really easy patient education, Yeah. what it's for. And I've done that just 
and brought it into the room and then my patient or my patient's loved one has said I can't read. And then I look into the computer and I can see that there was a assessment done, mm -hmm. but it was never documented that the person couldn't read. Okay. So I'm thinking if, there, if you know, a lot of people use Epic systems, there's a Cerner learning system, a lot of uh, different healthcare systems, how can we show something, how can it be a, an easy presentation of how the patient Learns prefers best. to learn mm -hmm. so that you don't do that and humiliate them? So, so uh, they don't have to keep repeating, like, I don't understand that. Yeah. I, I don't Absolutely. know what that Because means. what's going to happen is patients aren't going to vocalize that. No, they won't. Once they'll just start taking them and they can't read what's on there. And, and that happens a lot with the language barriers. Yeah, that too. Mm -hmm. And so sad to know that there are patients who won't speak up if they don't understand something or they just don't want to be a bother to their nurse. I had a patient tell me a couple of days ago, completely unrelated to this, but that she thought her IV was leaking. And she came down to my area for a procedure, and we're like, oh, wow, you know, your IV's leaking. It looks like we're going to have to put in a different one. And she's like, you know, I thought it was. It seemed like it was leaking, but, you know, I didn't want to bother my nurse. I, I just didn't want to. That should never be the case. Mm -hmm. You bother your nurse. And it's really not even bothering, whatever, because this is, we're, we're paid by the hour to service you. You are our, our priority for 10 hours, 12 hours, 8 hours, however long your shift is. That's not, you're not a nuisance to us if you have questions about your health, your plan of care, your body, your goals, a medication, anything related to your stay in that hospital, you've you voice that. You let us know what your issue is, what your question is. And as a nurse, that is our goal, our responsibility rather, to let you know, to answer, to give you the attention that you need and do something about it. That's what we're here for. And I think that's something too that when we introduce ourselves, we need to make sure that we are telling our patients, hey, if you have any concerns, if there's any questions you have, even if I walk out of this room and you think of a question, let me know. And I know some nurses have even gone so far as to, and I don't know how this would go with all patients, but if you give the patient your Nortel number, mm -hmm. if you carry a Nortel or phone around with you, if you give them your number and say, hey, why don't you call me on this number if you think of something or you're starting to feel nauseous or you think you might want a, a pain medication soon give me a call on my number and that way you don't have to go through the call light to the front desk and that way I'll know that I can start working on getting those pain meds for you now I know every patient probably wouldn't be a good candidate for giving your Nortel out because I I don't know if some patients might want to abuse it rather than use it when necessary but that might be a second means of communication like if you hit this call light, say no one's at the desk to answer the call light. Mm -hmm. Let me put my Nortel up here for you, too. I don't know how many institutions do that. Let me put my, Nor uh, my Nortel number so that way, if you're not getting through to the front desk so that they can reach me, you just call me directly. But mm -hmm. use this as the first route. If you don't get through, use this as the second route. And if you need anything, let me know. I'm here for you. And I feel like a lot of times, too, when patients know that, that makes them a little bit easy. Mm -hmm. That makes them feel a little bit comfortable and settled. Because I feel like when you don't make your presence known, when you don't let them know that they're invested in their care for that day, 
they might want to ring that bell every <laughs> 30 minutes to know that you're still around, that you yeah. didn't forget about me. I want to make sure you're still around, okay? But if you let them know from the get-go, mm-hmm. I'm here. If you need me, call me. You establish that. That might be all that they need. Sometimes they just they just want to have a feeling of comfort and that trust. Yeah, the trust. The trust. They want to know that you were there, just mm-hmm. like you. I have done that on occasion, actually, mm-hmm. with the patient, the patient that's on the, the call at every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I will give them my Nortel. It's almost like that, Not I don't want to say reverse psychology, because yeah, you don't want to you treat yeah. your patient. Yeah, it's not. But... It's the peace of mind that it they're looking It is peace of mind because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm giving you my number. I don't do this a lot. But here, take mm-hmm. this. If you need it, call me and I'll be at your service. So, And then we need to show up and be consistent. Yeah. Especially, you know, with the continuity care. Everybody does something different. Well, my nurse yesterday didn't do that. My nurse yesterday, right. uh, the day before let me do something different. We need to be more consistent and more intentional in what we're doing with our patients. And, and early on, again... Go back to the plan of care. If we lay that out at bedside report, at the shift changed, and let them know what to expect, mm-hmm. we're able to build that trust early on and yeah. to have that expectations yeah. are set yeah. um, for the patients. They can have all these goals that they want to do for themselves too, but say 10 o'clock rolls around, they start feeling crummy. They start being nauseous. They start having pain that's like, oh my goodness, this came out of nowhere. It's okay to pause and then resume once the patient is feeling better because we always have unexpected things happen. It's okay for the patient to know and then for us to know as nurses. We tried to implement this, but unfortunately, Ms. Smith did not feel too well today. Maybe tomorrow we can try again, get some rest tonight, try if you can, and let's try again tomorrow. We're going to make it a great day. We're going to make it an even better day. It's okay for that to be the case. I agree. Specifically for that comment, Shayla, surgical patients. You, you'll get mm-hmm. that a lot with the surgical patients mm-hmm. where they might feel great one day and not so great the next day. But the one thing that I, I think should be in everybody's plan of care, unless they are unable to actually physically get out of that bed, is if the patient, unless they're in the ICU, I know the ICU runs a little bit different. Yeah, it does. If a patient tells you, you know the patient walked into the hospital, and this is a little bit off topic, but if you know the patient walked into the hospital, you want them to walk back out of the hospital. Oh, yeah. Okay? So it is never acceptable, whether it is the weekend or Friday, to let your patient sit in the bed, whether they feel nauseous or... It always needs to be a plan of, of, of care to move your patient. Oh, yeah. I yeah. see that so much. Yeah. You know, just traveling where people come in and they were just feeling so sick, flu-like symptoms, but then they tell me, oh, I haven't been out of the bed in 10 days the whole time I've been. 10 days. The whole time I've been here. <laughs> like, that, again, so we go back to the cost of mm-hmm. of. Not having an effective plan of care. Yeah. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, PT didn't give us orders. Well, since when does nursing need orders from PT, orders to, from ambulate. PT to get your, yeah. bi- your patient out of the bed? You get them out the bed to go to the bathroom or even a pivot to the bedside commode if you need to. So, nope. 
you don't have to walk if you don't feel comfortable. You know, you grab another nurse, you grab, you can even grab the PT on the floor and say, hey, this patient hasn't been out of bed in 10 days, do so you mind spotting me? Yes. But it's, we are failing our patients if we do not make sure we focus on that plan and remember oh, our yeah. nursing goals oh, yeah. of making sure we're getting our patients up and moving. Yes. You yeah, take that initiative. We're a team. Yeah. We're a team and we should be making sure. Exactly. Because what we do is we increase the length of stay. Mm-hmm. That's There's cost. cost. We, we just need to make sure that we are being very intentional about our patients moving. And also with the reminder that this is not a hotel. Do you know how many patients come in to the hospital thinking that this is equivalent to a hotel stay? It is not. So for the patients that like to complain about, well, you wake me up every morning at 3 a.m. to get my vitals and my weight, honey, I'm just doing my job. You're not in the hotel. We do want to promote rest. We do want to promote healing. But at the same time, we've got to check in on you. Your vital signs are being taken for a specific reason because you're in the hospital. Now, if you were in a hotel, you could sleep all morning, all afternoon long. But if you're in the hospital, it's for a specific purpose. And, I mean, if it's not really, I guess, all that warranted, sometimes for patients we do get like an order of do not disturb during the nighttime or whatever or or check on them at 7 a.m. in the morning. But uh, for the most part, if I'm checking your vital signs or I'm 3 a.m., that's because it's simply my job and it's not your job to just lay in bed all day and to not want to take ownership of your care. You're in there for a reason. Again, I I don't want to put all of the blame on us nurses, but that goes back to the plan of care. If you tell the patients, I make sure that I am explaining this to the patient. Now, the the hours between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m., are going to be a little annoying for you right. because we're going to be constantly stimulating you. It's not on purpose. It's to make sure that everything is up to date for doctors when they come in in the morning mm-hmm. and we can make sure that meds are adjusted accordingly exactly. and so forth. I think if you let them know during that time yeah. or whenever at your facility it is, if it's their first day on the, the unit, you also need to let them oh, know. Oh, yeah, you need to be extra thorough. You also yeah. need to let them know you're probably not going to get any rest because you'll have multiple doctors coming in and out of here yeah. to do things for you. You'll have a lot of tests. Again, and, and some of that anxiety or agitation that happens because of that, if you let them know, if you use your whiteboard and let them know what tests are coming and what time the tests are. Oh, yeah. A lot of time. Yes. Timing time. is often we know. Yeah. Nothing is ever perfect. Exactly. And, and emergencies happen, but if they know timing, right. and, and even if that means the nurse is taking an extra step to call to see what time, mm-hmm. what time are you going to be able to get the patient, and following up with the department to yeah. ensure that it, we stay on the ball and All we right. can keep our patients updated. Because a lot of times they're fasting anyway, and when you can't, you can take away food from a person, they're like, well... Hello, I've been fasting since midnight. It's 4 p.m. I haven't been able to eat nor drink anything, so what's going on? Mm -hmm. They're going to get extra agitated because they want to know, and I don't blame them. When am I going to have this test? What time? And as as the nurse, we just need to make sure we keep everybody on the same page. So, yes, I concur. Back to the continuity of care, 
I like it when hospitals really endorse that and a patient can have the same providers, nursing-wise. Continuity of care is an absolute great thing to endorse on your floor or your unit and making sure that you're caring for the same patients when you can so that a patient isn't seeing tons of different nurses. Continuity of care with all care team members would be ideal for a patient as well, not just the nurse, because then everybody knows plan of care is individualized, so everybody knows what the plan is. Right. Um, we can all keep each other in line for exactly. that. Exactly. But how many times have you given report to a nurse, and you were here on Monday, and you come back on Friday, and you get a completely different report? I admit it's, it's patient. Yeah, it's kind of like playing that game of telephone that's where you're handing it off, handing it off, and it's like, no, that's not even what. <laughs> right. And I've, I've been on other units and other facilities where to combat that, they hand off like paper to oh, let you know really? the highlights of yeah. that, which is great, mm-hmm. you know, when you want to look back and see when they had something. But how often I am guilty of never updating it. I'll update my notes. But I never update that paper. That paper. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think they're, when a patient's been there for 14 days, that's a lot of notes to look mm-hmm. through. How do you, how do we. Condense it. To be consistent in every report. Yeah. If the handoff sheets aren't utilized or the care team members are consistently changing. But I've noticed, and I know, I don't, I'm not sure, familiar with how each of the care team members handoff report. But I've even seen it with physicians and PT and case managers. They do it the best, I will say. Case mm-hmm. management, they whatever system they use to communicate about their patients, rarely do I ever see anything. Discrepancies. And yes. Really? I'm just curious <coughs> as, as to what's a better way. One more final thing. Documentation. Let's remember that when we're documenting that we are not always using that, wasn't there a, a function in Epic to say like copy and paste or something? I don't know, where you're using the previous nurse's assessment and care plan. Wasn't there something like that? Some systems, yeah, they do have where you can copy and paste, which I hate any kind of copy and paste. Or like uh, um, assessment or, is the same or the whatever, no mm-hmm. changes or whatever. Prior assessment Prior on assessment change. Prior assessment on change or something like or, that. Let's make sure. Or reviewed and then continuing to monitor or something Continuing like to that. monitor. Okay, yeah. come on now. Let's review and complete some of these goals. Let's review and erase some of these things and check some boxes off here. Making sure that if there are any adjustments or any changes that that's reflected in the documentation, that's all. That's that's what I wanted to say. And also, education should be continuous. So these care plans and education, you don't just go over it once right. with the patient. This is something that you are talking about multiple times during a stay or outpatient visit. You are reinforcing, constantly reinforcing and, and, and using those teach-back verbalizations that we were taught on to ensure that the patient is understanding and able to implement this newfound knowledge into their everyday life. A lot of times you'll see the education was completed one day and then it won't get completed the next day. Yeah. And that follows same suit on outpatient visits. Mm-hmm. Physician might or nurse might 
acknowledge something one day but not follow up to mm-hmm. see if they're continuing that. Right. So I would really love to see more education being taught to patients on a continuous everyday basis. Mm-hmm. I know it is overwhelming, but that's when you ask for help. Yeah. Um, that's when you let the next nurse know, mm-hmm. I didn't get to, to this. teach this. Do you Can mind you? teaching this? Right. And night nurses, I know a lot of times the plan of care means nothing to you at night. Right. But it certainly is important for you to know what's going on Mm -hmm. because you now have to relay that to the new nurse tomorrow. Yeah. And that's a perfect time to research as well because if you're on night shift, and I'm not saying night shift nurses don't do anything. I've worked night shift before, and we all know it's a little bit slower at night than it is in the morning because you have... More people sleep than not sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect time to read through notes, consult notes, see what people are saying, seeing what people are talking about for the patient in order to relay that to the daytime nurse so that way they can expect these things to happen or to inquire about it if it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect time to do that. Very hard to read those notes during the day, yeah. but that's why it's important to be present. Mm-hmm. And back to like certain patients that might take a little bit more time, Say you have a patient that takes a little bit more time to understand or you really just want to make sure that you're thorough with your explanations of what you'd like to accomplish. What's wrong with asking one of your fellow coworkers, hey, do you mind just keeping an eye out for my patients? I'm not saying you have to pass me meds, you don't have to do any assessments, you don't even have to do anything, but just kind of keep your ear out for my patients. I'm going to be in this room for... I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes with this patient, really making sure that they understand while I go over some information with them. Like, can we really foster an environment where that's okay and not make it seem like, well, that nurse is just trying to get out of doing work and she wants me to do all this for her patients instead of really seeing it for face value. Like, wow, she really wants to be invested in that care of that patient. Sure, I don't mind looking out for your patients. I've got five other patients. I could take four more on. I mean, not saying that you've got to take four more on, but, you know, I can keep an ear out for them if you might need anything for them. What's wrong with fostering an environment that that's okay? Oh, I like I, I absolutely love yeah. that, Shayla. We should really foster an environment where you, I don't think I could have said it better, where we can not feel like we are shafting yeah. our other patients because how many times do you see physicians come in and they, they talk, or anybody come in and talk to your patient mm-hmm. and they can nod and they smile. Oh, yeah. And then you they ask them, yeah. what did the doctor say? Or do you understand? <laughs> it is very important. And nurses, if you don't know, I, I do this a lot. If I don't know what the procedure is or what the medication is, mm-hmm. I do a little research Check before I get into the room. Yeah. I look it up and then I go over it with the patient. And I sometimes I'll consult a another a, a senior nurse or yeah. ask the physician or MP or PA what it was this mean. Yeah. Just so that I can make sure I am teaching I'm exactly. teaching effectively. I and, wish that would be like my ideal floor environment. Like I could paint a picture of the ideal working conditions of a floor that I would probably work on for the rest of my career and that would be one of the things like one of the aspects that would definitely have to be involved is if that kind of environment was okay. Most facilities now will schedule where the nurses have a backup right or a charge nurse or right. someone to right. to take the any calls that they get during that time but it is pertinent 
we could save a lot of readmissions, a lot of money, yeah. and a lot of time yeah. if we, we just made sure every day we implemented plan of care and re- reviewed with patients. And overall, increased patient satisfaction as well. So we'd like to thank you all for listening to this week's podcast. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we can work on. This is our first podcast. Yeah. Any Uh, questions, any topics, anything. Give us some feedback. We'd love to make it better for you. Make it worthwhile. Your call light is on at gmail.com or your call light is on on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Yay!